Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hope Girl podcast. My name is Brittany Cooley and we are reading, while I am reading, you are listening to uh, my personal story of tragedy to triumph, uh, Strength Personified. I published this on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and uh, everywhere else. You can buy books a few like a month or so ago, um, but I've had so many people request for the audio recording. I decided to um, just read it, just read it here, authentically real um, to anybody who wants to listen. So we are on chapter 16. So without further ado, chapter 16 of Strength Personified. After mom left, we heard from her quite frequently for a while. Then the letters and phone calls became further and further apart. Eventually, we stopped hearing from her altogether. Grandma made mom promise before she left that no matter what happened, she would not look for her. She would not try to find her. She did not want to be found. Grandma promised and never went back on her word. But as we stopped hearing from her, she contacted a private detective to see if there was any way that she to find out where she was without her knowing. She was worried sick. Personally, I tried not to think about it. I went back to school the week before classes were going to begin my sophomore year. I was so excited to have an apartment off campus. I was moving in with two of my best friends from high school. We were getting a third roommate that we didn't know. There was a big block party across campus that Saturday night, and everyone was going to celebrate being back. I remember exactly what I had to drink that night. Two Rolling Rock beers, one shot of Sky Vodka, and a cup of Jungle Juice. Jungle juice was any kind of clear, cheap liquor poured into a giant cooler mixed with gallons of Hawaiian punch, if you didn't know. I was having a great time with my friends and catching up with everyone. I sat outside to smoke a cigarette on the stoop, and suddenly it got really quiet. I looked behind me, and the lights were off, and the door was shut. It's like I missed something. I turned around to the flashlight in my face. It was the Lock Haven police. I was officially caught underage drinking. That same night, I lost my phone and I got ran over. What a joy that evening was. I was taken back to my apartment in the police car and was told to be careful. I was given a fine and was told my license would be suspended. I am so dead. Dad is going to kill me. Oh, my God. So much panic and anxiety. I didn't think that it was fair that I was the only one who got caught while the entire house full of underage people right behind me. I didn't rat any of them out, of course, but I was pissed. The school year hadn't even started yet. Good grief. Well, I knew I had to go home that weekend and break the news to my dad in person, and it was going to be really bad. The entire way home, I rehearsed what I was going to say when I finally reached the driveway. I felt ready to tell him what a real disappointment his daughter was. I pulled in the driveway and saw dad mowing the lawn. I waved to him sheepishly and went in the house. I paced back and forth trying to make sense of what was about to happen and continually continued to internally beat myself up over it. Then the phone rang. It was my grandma's number that came across the caller ID. I thought that was strange. Why would grandma be calling dad? She knows I'm at school. I answered the phone and that voice was that of my uncle Rich and it seemed even more peculiar. He said, hi, is Dan Cooley there? This is Rich Wilson. I was too dumbfounded to even ask what was going on. I said, hi, Uncle Rich. It's me, Brittany. His voice changed, and I could tell something was really wrong. He said, oh, hi, Brittany. You're home. Uh, Your grandma just got back from vacation with us, and you should come see her. 
I knew something really bad must have happened for my uncle to call and ask for my father when I'm not supposed to be home and then turn the story around to invite me to come see grandma. Something happened to mom. I just knew it. I ran out of the house so fast. I jumped in my car and turned the ignition. I flew down the driveway only to back up and tell dad I was going to grandma's and that I thought something was wrong with mom. He said, okay, honey, I love you. A huge lump in my throat formed when I was pulling in my grandma's driveway. I didn't want to know what was about to happen. I didn't want to know why Uncle Rich was calling Dad. I wanted to do anything and everything to turn around and drive away and pretend like whatever was about to happen wasn't happening. I saw my grandmother holding her head in her hands in the grove where we spent many afternoons in my childhood playing. My uncle was standing next to her with a look of stone on his face. I got out of my car and approached my family. The rest was a blur. I collapsed into my uncle. He held me up so I wouldn't fall into the ground. I hyperventilating, I think, I don't know, I cried any actual tears. I couldn't process what was happening. It happened so fast. I'm sorry, Brittany, but your mom. I don't remember if he said died or passed away or she's dead. I can't remember the exact verbiage used because I already knew the end of his sentence. I sat with my grandmother. My aunt arrived soon after. Time stopped that day. We all sat in the grove together until dark. The next week was blurry. Lots of calls and condolences. More food was brought to grandma's than anyone could ever actually eat. Although the food was a blessing because no one felt like cooking. Grandma had made arrangements for mom's body to be brought home to Pennsylvania. I made dozens of calls to the hospital trying to locate the nursing staff and the doctor who treated her to figure out what the hell happened. It didn't matter. I had known what had happened. She was destitute and malnourished and her body gave out. She had gone home to be with her Lord. After all these years of suffering from her internal demons, she was at peace. I left her and she didn't make it. It was just as I had said all along. Grandma finally had gotten through to someone who could contact the physician via email due to the fact that he was on vacation for 10 days. That same afternoon, she received a personal phone call explaining what had taken place. Mom had brought, been brought into Pensacola Baptist Hospital with a bleeding ulcer. It was cauterized, and she was discharged. When asked about family, she told the nurses she had a mother and daughter in Pennsylvania but did not want them to be contacted. Three days later, she brought in unconscious, internally hemorrhaging. She was in surgery for nearly six hours and given an entire body's worth of blood. The week I had been arrested, she was on her deathbed. She was destitute and ill, unmedicated and uncared for. The waves of guilt all hit me at once. While I was out being a college jackass, mom was dying. After finally letting go and allowing my chance, myself to live a chance at a normal life and forget our time in Florida, I had been saying since I was seven years old it had become true. She wouldn't make it without me. I left her and she died. Suddenly, my pending license suspension, meeting with a dean, and my fine came completely irrelevant. I felt as though I was guilty of murder by abandonment. I didn't spend enough time with her while I was home, when she was home. I didn't tell her how much I loved her, as I should have. I avoided her at all costs because she was so mentally ill. I couldn't bear to have a conversation with her. I couldn't look at her because she reminded me of the awful things 
Suddenly, all of the tragedy we had faced together didn't matter. Suddenly, I didn't remember how sick she was or her delusional way of thinking. I remembered Supermom. I remember Linda Sue Wilson Cooley, the executive director of a successful nonprofit organization. The mom who sprinkled glitter on my pillow and spent thousands of dollars on Disney collector plates and displayed them in my playroom, who swung me around in our living room and sang like the angels whose smile lit up the entire world. I remember the courageous pillar of strength who gave me life, and now she was dead. Her entire life she struggled. From childhood until her last breath, she fought to survive. She only had a few short years of true happiness before her demons robbed her and took it all away. My heart broke for the life that she lived and the life that was taken from her. I took full responsibility. I wished so badly that I could have spent another day with her to make sure that she knew just how much I loved her. To this day, I truly believe that she died thinking that I didn't love her. And I'll never forgive myself for that. I could never read this for Audible. This never, <laughs> obviously. Okay. Continuing. <clears throat> I picked out the outfit that she was buried in. It was a beachy outfit, capri pants, and a sleeveless flowy tank. Something I could see her wearing while she walked along the sandy white beaches of Pensacola. I picked out her casket. It was a beautiful seafoam green. It reminded me of the waters in the Gulf of Mexico that she loved so much. I picked out her headstone. It was rose quartz. She couldn't have just a regular gray color. That was too generic. I called the ball bearers that Graham and I had chosen to ask, requested their presence and service. All of the men I asked said yes without hesitation. I requested that Moonlight Sonata be played. It was her favorite to play on the piano. And I had even learned how to play the first few lines when I was little just so I could be like her. Oh, how I wished I could go back to playing the piano with my mom. Her funeral was beautiful. So many people showed up that we didn't expect. A lot of friends from high school and college came to support me. I was so grateful to be surrounded with love and support but didn't make up for the guilt or sense of responsibility of mom being in the in that closed casket go away. I wasn't even able to see her to say goodbye. The funeral director told us that her body had decomposed entirely too much to be seen in an open casket. I was angry that she wasn't put on ice and preserved through the transport, but, but it was for the best that her withering body wasn't my last memory of her. I kept my shit together through the service as best I could. Seeing Dad so upset when he came through the receiving line was when I broke for the first time. I saw how much was hurting in his eyes. But this time, it wasn't my fault, but I still felt as though it was. Despite everything Mom had put him through, he loved her more than anything in the whole world.
My father is a man of few words, and he rarely shows emotion, but that day he cried with me. He held me up in the line and said how much he loved me. She left him in the divorce. I'll never understand why. Maybe my life would have turned out differently if she had never done that. Grandma gave a beautiful eulogy. I was so amazed that she had such strength to do that. She had more strength than me. I couldn't do it. I couldn't say anything at all. I had written a passage to be read by my cousin Joanne. I really lost it when my cousin Brian got up to say something and turned to me on the podium to say, I want to tell Brittany about her mom. That was the most painful to have everyone's eyes on me. The looks of sympathy and grief all around all directed at me. It just made my guilt worse. Brian grew up with my mom and had so many stories about their childhood together. I love to imagine her as a young, vibrant child full of life. I had wished that could have been her her whole life. My sister came too. She was my life-saving grace. I wouldn't have made it from that church to the cemetery in one conscious piece without her. Although I didn't grow up with her, I had always... Like I had wanted to, I had always, she was always there for me when I needed her the most. If one person would show, it was Jamie. I rode in her Jeep to the cemetery and sucked down nearly 10 cigarettes on the approximate six mile ride. I didn't even care if anyone saw me. I hid my habit from my whole family and worked hard to do so. And that day I didn't care. The time at the time the time at the cemetery was mostly a blur. Grandma's pastor spoke again. The casket was placed over the hole that had been dug for her final resting place. We're almost there, people. Fuck. This is hard. <laughs> um I remember seeing grandma sobbing and I gave and gave the casket one final tap. As she walked away. I think I cried all the way. All the tears I had back in the church. I held on to my dad and my sister Jamie. I held on to my dad and my sister. Jamie was on one side and dad was on the other. That was the hardest day. One of the hardest days of my life. I wanted to put it behind me the best way I knew how. Lock it in a box deep inside of me and forget about it. It's what I had done my whole life with every feeling I had ever faced. So two weeks since the news of mom's passing, I went back to school to finish out my sophomore year. Everyone told me to take the semester off or really take all the time I needed. Even the dean of student affairs thought it was a good idea when we spoke at my meeting about my underage drinking citation. Surprisingly, she didn't care and didn't make me pay the school fine. I showed her my mother's obituary and she teared up. You just go home and be with your family. Just make sure your name never comes across my desk again. I plunged back into school headfirst. I absolutely had to become the best social worker and save kids' lives. That was the only way that I would, all of this, could make this right. I couldn't save mom, so I had to go get my degree in order to save a bunch of kids like me. I felt it in my soul. It was more than a career. It was a purpose. I was going to get all of the little Britneys out of there safely and justice to preserve their childhood and innocence. That was the only way I could suppress my grief and guilt that lingered within my soul. 
And that was the end of chapter fucking 16. Christ. Uh, Well, this just continues to get harder for me to read. So thank you for listening to me uh, cry (laughs) and share my story with you. Uh, It's an honor. And I will see you for chapter 17 in the next episode.